Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this inaugural edition of LightningInsider.com podcast. I am Eric Rowlandson, founder and owner of LightningInsider.com. And for the past couple of years, you've heard me on Lightning Power Play with Lightning Lunch and the opening face-off and everything else. Obviously, the pandemic and the damn coronavirus has put everything on hold and in the back shelf. And unfortunately, I was part of that. But I wanted to continue something to continue to talk to you, the fans of this uh, hockey team. And here's the podcast. So let's get things started. Uh, if you ever have any questions, comments, you can always email me. My email is eric at lightninginsider.com. And that's E-R-I-K, eric lightning at lightninginsider.com. You can also reach me on Twitter. My handle is at eric underscore Erlinson. So that's E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L. E-N-D-S-S-O-N. I love to take your questions. I love to interact with you. It's not necessarily live like it used to be. So if you want questions, you have to get them in a little bit early. All right, on this inaugural edition of this podcast, of this show, if you will, have you caught your breath yet from yesterday's game one of the opening round of the playoffs between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets? I haven't. I haven't. It was a long day. It was a long night. This podcast was actually supposed to launch after the game. We were going to do a little bit of a post-game wrap-up and and analysis of it, and it just kept going and going and going. The game started just after 3 o'clock Eastern time, ended somewhere around 9.15 Eastern time. The game went so long, they had to send the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins back to the bubble back to their rooms because they were scheduled to drop the puck just after 8 o'clock Eastern. And, of course, the lighting game was still going on. They need about 90 minutes or so to clean out the arena and sanitize, especially in this conditions that they're in. Everything has to really be cleaned down. Uh, They do have separate locker rooms, so the players uh, were not sharing locker rooms with other teams yesterday. But, you know, the benches and everything else still has to be cleaned down. The ice has to be uh, resurfaced and kind of given a chance to resettle down. Um, there were eight, there were actually more periods of hockey played yesterday between Tampa Bay and Columbus than there actually would have been played if two actual games were played at Scotiabank Arena for the opening round of the playoffs. Just an incredible, incredible sort of display that went on. You know, you, you think about games like this in history. First of all, it was the fourth longest game in recorded NHL history with five overtimes. Uh, Braden Point, of course, getting the game winner 
that came just after the 10-minute mark of the fifth overtime. And ironically enough, it was the first shot on goal Tampa Bay had in that overtime session after having 87, 87 shots on goal through the first seven periods of action. It wasn't until the 88th shot, which was the first shot of the fifth overtime, when Braden Point sent the Lightning bench into euphoria as they piled off and just celebrated along the boards and the glass. You know, it's one of those moments that Lightning fans are never going to forget. I mean, never. I can still remember vividly to this day the triple overtime game Tampa Bay played in Washington back in April of 2003. I believe it was on April or on Easter Sunday uh, at the old Verizon Center or MCI, whatever it was called way back then. And that was an afternoon game, and it was on the weekend, but it was an afternoon game. That one also started at 3 o'clock. And I remember writing that day how a, a generation, in some ways, of Lightning fans were born that day by staying involved in that game, going through one overtime, a second overtime, and then to a third overtime. And to think that this game went another period plus than that game in Washington you know, I can still see in my mind Marty St. Louis taking a little bit of a drop pass from Vinny LeCavalier, circling around behind the net, coming out the other side and roofing a shot over Ole Kolzig. It, it's, I, I, I can picture it. You know, like those are the moments that get cemented in your mind as a sports fan, as a fan of, of this team. And I'm interested to see what the ratings ended up being last night because remember this game started when a lot of people hadn't even left work yet. They hadn't even gotten in their cars to head home. And then for a lot of people, it probably didn't end until just shortly before they would start to get ready to go to bed, depending on what time you got to work. So I'm interested to see what the ratings are like. But those are the type of moments, those are the type of games that you're never, ever going to forget. Look, it's because the Lightning won. It stands out even more. Of course, if you're a Columbus fan, you probably want to forget about it as much as you can. But even if you try and forget about it, you're never going to forget it. It's just an epic, epic game. Five overtime game. It just I'm still baffled by how long that game went on. But boy, was it fun. Boy, was it something that we're going to be talking about in, in circles for I don't know how long. I really don't know how long uh, it's going to be before uh, we sort of get over this game a little bit. And, you know, they've got to get ready for game Two, which comes on Thursday, 3 o'clock. Hopefully it doesn't last till 9 o'clock again. Hopefully it gets over at the regular time around 6 o'clock, uh, as it would uh, in normal conditions. But uh, just an epic, epic game for uh, this team. And if you want to read about what I thought that moment meant, what this game in a bigger picture uh, sort of uh, frame mean, for this team, then go to lightninginsider.com and it's what I wrote about uh, after the game yesterday about how this this looked and felt different for Tampa Bay, uh, especially coming off of what happened last year. But a couple of things I wanted to be able to point out from this game. First and foremost, boy, was it so important to have Victor Hedman in this game. When he sort of caught his foot uh, in the last round-robin game against Philadelphia, and his his skate sort of got caught on something 
as he pivoted around. It it did not look good. You had a bad feeling when he left the bench area and headed back towards the locker room and slammed his stick against the railings in frustration. You, you feared. There was a lot of fear because of the unknown. And, you know, this is this is a difficult time to get information from anybody in regards to the team. First of all, they're in the bubble. There's no independent media inside the bubble. There's no media whatsoever allowed at practices. So there's no practice that you can see and kind of get a feel. Can you can you catch, you know, a glimpse of him, see what's going on? None of that. All you get is unfit to play, or as we found out from John Cooper on Monday when he spoke to the media for the first time, his determination for Victor Hebner would not be made until game time. Uh, but boy, was there a collective sigh of relief around the Tampa Bay area and around the Lightning fan base when Victor Hedman took the ice for warm-ups. Because you're already without Steven Stamkos. And, you know, you can you can absorb, with the depth this team has, the loss of a Stamkos. And we don't know yet when he's going to be ready. But you can absorb that. You can live with Steven Stamkos out of the lineup for the amount of time. When he comes back, that's a bonus at this point. But what you can't absorb is a loss of Victor Hedman for any significant amount of time. I think any team will tell you when you lose a player, the caliber of a Victor Hedman, the importance of what he is and what he means to this team, there's a you can sort of have a little galvanizing, okay, let's do it without this player X for a short period of time. But in the long haul, you you can't, it's hard, you cannot replace Victor Hedman. There are very few defensemen who have ever played this game who can play it the way Victor Hedman does. Just the way he controls the game, the way he can get up and down the ice, the way that he can go from side to side, the way that he can get back and forth. I mean, John Cooper used to say, and Rick Bonus when he was here, used to say all the time that Victor Hedman can out, uh, outskate his own icing. That's how good of a skater he is and how much he can get up and down the ice and what he means. Obviously plays in all situations. So that collective sigh of relief could be heard, literally, anything around, that he is just that important part of a team. And then you start to look back at what he meant to the game in game one because he ended up playing over 50 minutes of ice time. It just, it just again, boggles my mind that we're talking about some of these numbers that came out of this game. And he ends up logging 57 minutes and 38 seconds of ice time. I mean, that's a full game. I mean, that's literally a full game. 60 minutes is a game. So 57 minutes and 38 seconds. So just think about a game like that. If you don't have a player like Victor Hedman who fills those 58 minutes, there's nobody on this team that's filling those 58 minutes. Ryan McDonough would get elevated, but as it was, McDonough played 53 minutes. Luke Shen took warm-ups, so he would have been the guy if Victor Hedman was unable to play in the game. 
But nobody's replacing those 58 minutes and the importance of those 58 minutes. And all you got to do is look at the play in the fifth overtime. All those overtimes tend to run together. But look at his play in the fifth overtime when the Lightning had a power play. Yeah, they got a power play. Puck over the glass. That was actually their second play during or power play during the overtime session. But they had one in the fifth overtime where I believe it was David Savard flipped the puck over the glass and put Tampa Bay on the power play. Well, there was a bad back pass by Nikita Kucherov that sent or was picked off by Cam Atkinson and sent him down the ice. Well, he probably had a step on Victor Hedman leaving the zone. And Victor Hedman was able to catch him by the time he reached the circles. And then not only catch him, disrupt the play, and then knocked Cam Atkinson down from behind. Not a penalty. I know there's a lot of people who have said, well, how come that's not a penalty? Including the Columbus, some of the Columbus players. I know Seth Jones came out and said he thought that officiating was questionable. But it was not a penalty. He played that as perfectly as you can. He didn't cross-check him. He didn't slash him. He didn't get the stick around. He didn't use a free hand to grab him down. He literally used his forearm and pushed Cam Atkinson down. Now, think about that. Victor had been six foot six, 225, 230 pounds. Cam Atkinson's 5'8", 5'9". So you can see the disparity there in the size and the strength. Not to mention you're 100 minutes into a hockey game. So he pushed him down, disrupted that play without taking a penalty. Who else on this team is doing that? Nobody. There's nobody else on this team that could have done what Victor Hedman did in that fifth overtime yesterday at any point in the game. There's nobody that could attract Atkinson down like he did and gobble up all that ice like he did and take the play away. So that is a huge, huge factor to have a Victor Hedman healthy enough to play. I don't think he's 100%. We'll see what tomorrow brings in terms of how the foot or the ankle, whatever it was that he tweaked, reacts to having been used so much yesterday or in game one. But it's a huge, huge relief that he is back and ready to play for this team. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. Uh, Some other mind-boggling numbers just coming out of this game yesterday. First of all, an NHL record. The Lightning sat with 88 shots on goal. I mean, 88 shots on goal. It's just hard to imagine. Jonas Corposalo, the Columbus goaltender, set an NHL record with 85 saves. The old record, by the way, for shots on goal in a game was 76. So the Lightning shattered it by 12. The record for saves by Kelly Rudy, who was then playing for the New York Islanders, uh, that's the record that Corpusalo broke. How about the fact that the Lightning took, okay, you had the 88 shots on goal, 
How about the shot attempts? How about the shot attempts? 187 attempted shots on goal. 24 in the first period. 23 in the second period. 20 in the third period. 31 in the fourth overtime. Took the second overtime off, only 17. 29 in the the third overtime. 28 in the fourth overtime. And then 15 by the midpoint of the fifth overtime. And again, Braden Point's shot on goal was actually the only shot on goal that they had in that final overtime session. But they had 187 shot attempts to 111 for Columbus. So if you want to do the percentage, that's about 63% of the Corsi of the shot attempts for however you want to classify it. But 187 shot attempts the Lightning had. And here's another number that's related to that. The Blue Jackets blocked 62 shots. 62 shots on goal the Columbus Blue Jackets blocked. 11 by David Savard. 9 by Vlasov Gavrikov. I mean, 6 by Seth Jones. 5 by, Seth, uh, by Zach Wierenski. 5 by Riley Nash. 6 by Boone Jenner. It's just, the numbers are staggering. The amount of combined shots on goal. 151 NHL record. So many records coming out of the game. And I think it was, I think it was important for Tampa Bay to win that game on a, many levels. So you, you know, you, you want to win the first game of the series and set yourself up on the right foot. But the importance of winning that game for Tampa Bay after what happened at the hands of Columbus last year, had they lost this game, and and having if it would have happened in the fifth overtime or at any point. As this game gone on deep, you had to worry about the emotional situations with it. You know, there's some some euphoria, if you will, when you win a game. But when you lose a game of that magnitude, it's it takes a hit. And the Blue Jackets are going to be tested. And this is why I think, you know, the Lightning really set themselves up well here. Because... The Blue Jackets, of course, are coming out of that five-game series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. They had two games going overtime. They played three games in four days, including those two overtime games, which came on back-to-back nights. So they played overtime Thursday and Friday. Then they play a night game on Sunday. And that one went regulation. That was a 3 nothing win to eliminate the Leafs in the qualifying round and advance to the first round. So that game ended just after 10 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday. And then they've got to turn around Tuesday afternoon, not even 48 hours later, to start a playoff series against Tampa Bay. And, of course, we all talked about the storylines of what happened last year and everything like that. And I have another story up on LightningInsider.com that lets you that kind of compares why last year was last year and this year this is this year because the two teams are so different. Yeah, even though there's 
there are a lot of players that were still around, but there's there's big differences in both teams. So this is not the same as last year. Of course, we talk about it, we think about it. They're both wearing the same uniforms as they were last year, so uh, that comes into play. But um, you know, the fact that they could put Columbus in this one nothing hole now, in the manner in which it happened yesterday, in five overtimes, there's not there's a mental drain. There's an emotional drain. There's a physical drain that Columbus is going to have to deal with. And they'll say the right things. And they have a master motivator behind the bench in John Tortorella. We've seen it here. Go back to 2004 with Tampa Bay. When they lost game six against the Philadelphia Flyers. in the Eastern Conference Finals. They have the lead with under two minutes to go, an opportunity to win the Eastern Conference and advance to the Stanley Cup Final. Keith Primo scores the winner. Simon Gagne, sorry, Primo had the tying goal. Gagne with the winner in overtime. So there's all that emotion, and everybody thought, oh, phew. There's no way the Lightning recover from that. They can't recover from that. Even though they were heading back to home ice. But the team pulled themselves together. And they came back and won that game, of course, against Philadelphia. And advanced to the Stanley Cup Final. And then in the Cup Final itself, you lose Game 5 at home. Oleg Saprikin with the overtime winner. In game four, sorry, game five, gave Calgary a 3-2 series lead heading back to Calgary. The Sea of Red, the Saddle Dome, um, a city, a country, hungry to bring the cup home again. The last Canadian team to win a Stanley Cup title. I don't know why this keeps bring, come, uh, being brought up, but it, it's, a, it's a thing in Canada. The last Canadian franchise to win a Stanley Cup was the Canadians in 1993. So there's a lot of talk about that, and this is 11 years after that had happened, that Calgary was in it. So there's no way that they can go and win that game, right? They can't. They're not going to be able to do it. Calgary's going to swarm them. The series will be over. Well, as we know, it wasn't. And then it was the same thing for a lot of people who thought after Columbus blew Game four against Toronto in the manner in which they did, holding a three-goal lead with under five minutes to go, only to watch the Leafs storm back with three goals in three minutes to tie that game and then get a power play goal to win it in overtime. How do you recover from that? They did. They came out and they played a strong game in game five. They had some moments of trepidation. But they found a way to win it. Like John Totorella just has a way, and you know, you want to call it gruff, you want to call it whatever. He just has a way of getting his players to believe and digging down and finding levels that they probably didn't even know they had. So he was able to do that, pull his team together, come out and win that game five. But there's tolls. There's tolls that have to be paid. And you don't wonder, and we won't know the answer until we see how the team reacts in Game 2 on Thursday. 
But there's a toll to be paid when you keep having to do this. You know, they shut out the Leafs in game one. They got shut out in game two. They were the team that pulled off the three-goal comeback, not quite as dramatically in game three. But they're the team that pulled the three-goal comeback and won in overtime. And then the manner in which they lost, and then they pulled it together. But we're talking about a five-overtime game and the emotional drain that they can do. And that's going to be something to kind of keep an eye on and look for when we get to Thursday in Game 2. Now here's another observation from the game where the Lightning, I think, are going to have to be better than they were in Game 1. First of all, let's I want to look at this real quick because I saw this and a lot of people talking about this. Columbus, of course, gets the first goal. It's a power play goal, a double deflection. Ends up being a goal for Pierre-Luc Dubois. A shot that actually hit Eric Chernak on the skate and then brushed off Dubois' shoulder. It was actually going wide even after it hit Chernak's skate. It was going wide, ends up in the net. There's really nothing you can do about that as a goalie. There's really nothing you can do. But the second goal, and I've seen a lot of people criticize Vasilevsky for this because it was a bad angle. It's a bad angle shot, there's no doubt. And you don't want to see shots like that go in. But there's no, I would never classify that type of goal as a soft goal. And here's why. First of all, did you see the window of space that that puck had to go through? It was so tiny. It was so small. I mean, Oliver Bjorkstad, there's no way, you cannot tell me that Oliver Bjorkstad was aiming for that spot. He's not. He's not. You know, look, it's a shot that players will attempt to hit during practice. They'll fool around with it. They'll play around with it. There's no doubt. But he's not, he's not aiming for that spot. He's just throwing a puck on net. And... Like the the easy thing to say is, well, Vasilevsky should have sealed off the post, and he wouldn't be totally inaccurate on that. But he was at the post, and then again, just look at the window of space that that puck went in over his shoulder. I don't want to call it a fluke goal. I won't even call it an unlucky goal. It's just one of the ones you just got to shrug your shoulders and say, okay. But <laughs> here's the difference between this team and last year. Lighting were not rattled, even though that goal came with about 40 seconds left in the second period. They went out and they scored 23 seconds in. Got a little lucky themselves. This is Ryan McDonough throws a puck on net that hits Yanni Gord. It actually squirts out away from net and Jonas Corposalo actually kicked it in his own net, which is what sent us to the fifth overtime eventually. So there's a little bit of luck involved on Tampa Bay's side as well. But here's what they need to do. If you watch the way the Blue Jackets play, and this is a a signature of John Tortorella, especially in his later years, especially in the post-lockout days, they collapse so low in the defensive zone. That's a big part of why they blocked 62 shots yesterday. 
By the way, those 62 block shots are actually just one more than the actual number of shots on goal Columbus had. So that's why they end up with high shot blocks, because if, if you can't block shots under John Tortorella, you can't play for John Tortorella. So they really dedicate themselves to collapsing and making sure pucks don't get through those areas. You're going to have to earn every inch of space in the offensive zone against Columbus. So they're going to have to find ways to either get shots through on a more consistent basis, not easy, or, and we saw this a number of times, there were a lot of rebound opportunities that Corpus left out there. You just got to have players in place to get to those second-chance opportunities. But I like the way that the Lightning defended. A couple of hair-raising moments, including that one we talked about earlier with Cam Atkinson on a partial breakaway. But I like the way that they defended. I like the way that they did not step outside themselves. You know, one of the criticisms of this team last year, and it's a quote that I'll remember for a long period of time when John Cooper talked about after the game one loss against the Blue Jackets last year when they blew a 3 nothing lead and the Blue Jackets came back and won it in regulation was they were so worried about trying to score the fourth goal, they forgot about preventing the first one. So this is a team that, in the last number of years, has kind of been an impatient team, has kind of been a team that would force issues. They would get antsy. They would make high-risk plays. Didn't see that as much yesterday. They just stuck with their game plan. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. The other thing that I liked about where this team is at in their mentality, look at how they defend in their own zone now. How many times, and this has been the case since they have got to Toronto and, and played specifically the round-robin games, how many times have they had a forward down low in the slot area, between the hash marks, whatever you want to call it, to pick off passes, to be in the right position defensively, that triggers their offense. Bobby the Chief Taylor says it all the time. Good defense, if you play good defense, you get more offensive chances. And that's what we've seen a little bit out of this team, especially here in the last couple of weeks. So that's one, that, one thing to kind of really keep an eye on is how the Lightning have defended down low. They're not leaving that middle area of the ice Vulnerable. And this is the one thing that I think the pause in action allowed the Lightning coaching staff to do. Believe me, they had plenty of time to go over so much tape to look at areas to improve. And then you have a two-week training camp to really get the players on more of a narrow focus here and understand what they needed to do to execute that game plan. So they need to continue to do that and be that type of team. Now, we'll see what game two brings, but those are the areas that I want to see them continue to improve upon, their defensive zone structure. Another area that they've improved at, I think, dramatically is because they they tend to really do a better job now of keeping that, that third 
that third forward high in the offensive zone. You don't see them give up as many chances off the rush. And when they do, that's when they're, they're able to figure out their rush coverage better than maybe they have in the past. So there's another big improvement. So again, we talk about that a lot. Where this, where's this team improvement? Look, we know they're a high-scoring team. They can score goals. Even when a star like Steven Stamkos is sidelined, this team can score goals. They have depth scoring up and down the lineup. But how do they defend? They're, they're, they've already shown leaps and bounds improvements on it. And I think that's huge, 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 huge for this team. So that's what we're going to look for in Game 2. Again, that's a 3 p.m. Eastern time start. Nationally, the game will be seen on NBC Sportsnet in the Tampa Bay market. You can find it on Fox Sports Sun. Rick Peckham, Brian Engblom have the call. So we'll be back. We'll do another post-game look ahead after Game 2. Make sure you hit like. Make sure you hit subscribe. We want to get this uh, out there to as many people as we can. Um, I know I've seen a lot of people saying they're missing my voice, quote-unquote, on a lot of this. So this is an opportunity now because I don't know what the future holds, but this is an opportunity to still reach you. I hope you like it. I hope you support it. I hope you listen to it. I hope you tell your friends about it. We want to get this podcast moving in the right direction, and I need your help to do it. Again, if you ever have any questions or comments, you can hit me up on my Twitter feed. That's at Eric underscore Erlinson. If you even want to use the hashtag AskEE, I'll get to them there. If you want to email me, feel free, eric at lightninginsider.com. I will respond. I will let you know that I got your email, and I'll let you know when we're recording next and when to listen for the answer. So those are, how, those are the ways you can reach me. But again, please hit like. Please subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back with a recap after Game 2 with a look ahead to Game 3. Until then, I'm Eric Rollinson from Lightning Insider. Thanks for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.